Mindfulness Mode 399. What can I change in my life immediately or gently or thoughtfully that will put me in a position where I'm feeling better in myself first? Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm sitting here on a most beautiful, fantastic Canadian winter day. It's about minus, oh, I think it's about minus 15 or so, minus 15 Celsius, which would be four degrees Fahrenheit. Beautiful, beautiful weather. I love the cold. I know that a lot of my listeners don't. You might not, but I love it. And since I've been been practicing Wim Hof, and Wim Hof is a, a method of learning to enjoy the cold and embrace the cold and it it actually makes you a stronger person for it it's been fantastic i've worked on this for a couple of months now and so i have cold showers every day and it revitalizes me and gives me energy and and i feel like it creates my inner warrior if that makes any sense do you ever have troubles falling asleep Do you wish you could sleep more soundly? I have a sleep meditation I've recorded just for you. I've received great positive feedback about how it's made a big difference in a lot of people's lives. And you can uh, download this free recording. You definitely deserve to be able to sleep naturally and easily and deeply. And like I say, you can download this for your own use for free. And you can do that at mindfulnessmode.com slash sleep. Well, just a few minutes ago, I made myself a cup of uh, mint tea. And that's, that's nice and warm and, and, and feels great going down. So I'm enjoying the mint tea. But I'm also about to interview someone who says to just enjoy the moment. Enjoy, if you feel like having a piece of cake, have a piece of cake. If you feel like having some chocolate, have some chocolate. She's all about food, but she's all about living a life of joy. And she's a a psychoanalyst and a very fascinating person. She lives in Ireland and that's where I interviewed her from. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview today with Karina Melvin. Hey, Mindful Tribe, you are going to be fascinated today because I have a very alive, very fun, very interesting guest with me today. And it's all about eating and living an awesome life. And her name is Karina Melvin. And Karina, are you in mindfulness mode today? I absolutely am. And I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Bruce. My pleasure. Karina Melvin is an author, a psychologist, and the creator of the Artful Eating podcast and Artful Eating at the Table, which is a transformative online program. She also wrote Artful Eating, The Psychology of Lasting Weight Loss. And she runs her own clinic, and it's called Sandy Mount psychotherapy and she lectures in psychotherapy at a university and she works at St. Vincent's Hospital which is a teaching hospital located uh, south of the city of Dublin, Ireland in Elm Park. So it's such a pleasure to connect with you Karina. Tell us what mindfulness means to you. What's it all about in your life? I think that's such a good question because I think that sometimes mindfulness can get a really bad rep. 
because uh, people struggle to practice it, right? So there's this idea about um, the level of discipline required not to look back or look forward. Um, So for me, my relationship to mindfulness is just about being present, you know, when you're doing something, do it with intention and enjoy it. Um, or, or if it's not necessarily the most enjoyable thing, do it, do it with a sense of focus and pride. And I think nowadays, uh, especially with it, I was actually just talking about this with a client before I came on the call. And um, nowadays with phones, when we're constantly being distracted, I think something like the values and principles of mindfulness are more important than ever because we need some sort of an anchor to connect us to being in the moment. And I have a little, I have a little uh, daughter and she's two. She, we had her second birthday this weekend. Uh, and over the past two years, I've really started to realize how connected I am to my phone. And so for me, that word mindfulness, that idea of mindfulness, it just really brings me back to being present in the moment. Um, and for us not to be constantly distracted or looking for distractions elsewhere, just being. Well, I loved listening to your podcast, Karina, because you it's called Mindful Eating, but you talk about how, you know what, it's it's about everything. It's about being happy. It's about understanding what kind of life you want to li- live to be happy and content. And of course, eating is only a part of that, right? And what what does your perfect life look like so that you you are happy and content? Well, you know, that's a lovely question. It, it, it often changes like every now and then. And I think the last podcast I put up was with a, a lovely guy. I don't normally interview people, but a lovely guy who evaluates every six months what his goals and aspirations are. I'm not, I'm not as fixed as he is, but I think it's something that's an ongoing conversation I have with myself. Um, what is a good life is the question that I carry with me all the time. And um, it's an ongoing conversation I have with my husband and, and also my friends. Um, but I've noticed, this is something, because I haven't been asked this question, so I'm thinking, what I've noticed in the last, I would say it's got to be two years, Bruce, that I've actually really interrogated this question, what is a good life for me? Um, my life has drastically changed. Uh-huh. So my relationship to my work, which I love, um, uh, is that work, you know, it has a place, but doesn't take over, which it had in the past because I enjoy it so much that my values and my principles need to be aligned with how I carry out each day and that my environment is really important to me. So for me, it's all about quality, quality of food, quality of time with people. So don't say, yes, I'll do X, Y, or Z if you can't be present and enjoy it. Um, Know your limits, Um, quality of sleep, really important, especially when you have a toddler. Um, And recognizing that you're the architect of the life that you live. Because for so many of us, and this was certainly the case for me, um, you just allow life to happen to you. And you don't realize, well, actually, I'm the driver of every interaction I have with every person I meet. I'm the driver of my career and how I'm perceived in my work. Um, I'm the driver of how much money I earn. I'm the driver of how often I travel or how often I go and do something that's going to stimulate me, whether that's go for a hike or go to the theater or go to the cinema. So when we start to take ownership of how we want to live our life, um, really magical things happen, I think. And that's certainly my experience. 
that didn't really answer your question. <laughs> well, I totally agree that it's magical. And, and you know what I'm fascinated by is the number of times you use the word quality because you said a quality, you know, in the way you live and the air uh-huh. you breathe and all these kinds mm-hmm. of things. And yet when I listened to you on your podcast, you said, my theme is good enough. Yes. And and I think that's fascinating how those two things go together because good enough can be, you know, the work you put into a paper or your book or whatever because if it isn't, if you don't have that that way of thinking, then you may never even produce that book. Is that the way you look at it? Absolutely. Well, something you didn't mention, uh, I think, in, in, in your introduction is that, yes, I'm, I'm a trained psychologist, but um, in my heart and in my practice, I'm a psychoanalyst. Okay. So what that literally means is that uh, I'm very aware that we have an ego, um, and that's in that space that we practice mindfulness and being present and where we think about things like quality. Um, but we also have an unconscious, um, and that's that part of us that oftentimes is in conflict with the conscious part of ourselves. Um, And so when I say good enough, there are a lot of people who have this huge push and strive towards perfection that comes from deep within them for all sorts of reasons. It's different for everyone, you know, an older Mm -hmm. sibling that was really successful or parents that were quite hard on them, whatever it might be. But if you hold on to the idea of good enough, as you rightly say, Bruce, You'll, you'll do so much more. You'll be so much more productive. And also you'll be looser with yourself. And it's not my phrase. It's at Donald Winnicott, who is um, a famous psychoanalyst who specialized in working with mothers and children um, in the, it was like the 40s and the 50s in the UK. And he found that a lot of mothers were just really trying to be the perfect mother, sure. you know? And actually, when, when it comes to mothering, being perfect can bring up its own problems. It's important for the child to know that you're not perfect and you're not omnipresent. Um, and so that the child can have the space to fall, learn and grow. So I love that and I take that with me into everything I do. Good enough, that's, that's yeah. optimal. I think, I think it's great, I think it's great. So you're all about mindful eating and artful eating. Is that yes. what you lecture about at the university as well? No, I didn't think so. Tell, no. tell me how this one part of your life is about artful eating, but then you spend a lot of time at the university and, and doing this kind of thing on another theme. How does that all work? That's such an interesting question, actually, because you're right. There's a real duplicity to what I do. <laughs> um, and uh, it's uh, basically artful eating was born out of my clinic. So uh, I have a psychoanalytic clinic where people come, they lie on a couch, I sit behind them, they do a lot more speaking than I do. Um, And uh, it's it's a very, I would say, of course I would because I'm a psychoanalyst, a very privileged space for people to articulate their desire um, without somebody else enforcing or imposing some sort of a master uh, position or knowledge. Like, I know because I have this training. No, I don't know. Only you know what you want, what you need, and why you do the things you do. This is true for any of us. So that's one hat. And I lecture in psychoanalysis. I lecture on um, desire, addiction, sexuality, all sorts of different things. Um, And I lecture in Lacanian psychoanalysis and Freudian psychoanalysis. So that's all very academic. But in my clinic, every single day, people, regardless of their age, regardless of their gender, and interestingly enough to me, regardless of their size, people would talk about their problematic relationship with food and and with their body. So a dissatisfaction with their body and then also whether they were 
And I know, actually, sorry, just to be clear, Bruce, I don't mean people with eating disorders specifically. I'm talking about everybody. Right. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be clear there, because people are thinking, oh, because I work with people who who are just regular people, but that have some sort of questions about themselves that they're trying to work through. So I just kept hearing it over and over again. And I would sit there and in psychoanalysis, you say very little because it's about the client space to speak. And I would find myself biting my tongue going, don't do that diet or, you know, enjoy that cake if you want that cake or, but you look great. You don't need to worry about your weight. You know, I'd hear myself. Um, and over time, it kind of grew into a realization that I have something to say about this. Partly right. based on my own life experience, going to boarding school and seeing a lot of young girls really struggling with their weight and their body. Um, partly to my own experience when I was studying abroad, living with someone who had huge eating issues that then I kind of absorbed without really fully realizing it and ended up actually putting on a lot of weight myself. And yeah, so artful eating came out of all of that. And so the two things are rather separate, actually, the clinic, right. my lecturing, and then the book and the course. Well, I'm fascinated to talk to you about artful eating because I agree with you. I think it's it's kind of bizarre that we've arrived here in 2019 and we're still like in a quandary about what to put in our bodies, how much of it, how do we make these choices, why do we have this thing called emotional eating and what can we do about it? I mean, a lot of people are truly lost. So if someone came to you and they said, look, I'm lost, I just don't know where to start with this whole eating thing, what would you say, Karina? I wish I had a simple answer, but I don't. Um, and I, I think that that is, I, I have a very um, comprehensive answer to that question, which is multi, it, it, it covers multiple areas of a person's life. My biggest complaint first, because you're so right, there's a lot of information out there, but the focus is really on the symptom. So the folk, not the cause. So if someone has a problematic relationship with food, whether they're overweight, underweight, binging, not eating, constantly dieting, you know, very controlled about what they eat, constantly measuring their food, it doesn't matter. Everybody's different. But uh, if you go to a nutritionist or a, a therapist and you want to lose weight or, or I don't know, like um, a, a weight loss expert, and you want to lose weight, if all you're doing is talking about food and talking about exercise, you're just focusing on the symptom. Nothing is going to change there in that terrain. You have to look at the cause. Why am I overweight? What is the function of this being overweight? Because it's very simple. We all know how to lose weight. Eat less and move more, right? Right. Now, at the beginning of my book, I dispel a lot of the myths around um, a kind of I would describe it as a hyper-medicalization of a problem that's absolutely mental, right? So there's a real focus on it being biological, genetic, um, sugar addiction, you know, that the problem is external, but in actual fact, it's, it's in our mind. Um, it's our mind that makes every single decision about what we eat and our relationship to food, not our body. Yes, we have cravings. Yes, um, we our body reacts differently to every piece of food that we eat, but it's the mind that's in charge. And there's a real push, not just with symptoms like um, weight, but in all sorts of different symptoms, there's a push to, to kind of take the responsibility off the individual. And what I say to people is, 
it's not that it's your fault or that you should feel bad if you're having a a, a struggling, difficult relationship with food, but it's so empowering to know that actually things can change and you can do something about it. So I go through the science, I dispel a lot of myths first. The most shocking thing, again, to go back to your question, what should a person do? The first thing, in fact, if if there's only one thing you take, anybody listening today to this podcast, don't go on a diet. That's the first thing, because the most likely outcome from going on a diet is that you are going to put on weight. That's what the statistics show. Um, So if you're going on a diet with the best will in the world, you're only focusing on the symptom. You're not changing anything at a deeper level. So no matter what you do, you'll end up back where you started. Yeah, well, I would agree with that. Yeah, for sure. And I think more and more people are starting to say that now, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, there's a realization that we've been looking at this backwards. So then when I say it's a very comprehensive um, response that I have to this problem, I say, and you already said it, Bruce, so definitely done your, your background research before we chatted. It's about your quality of life. Right. You know, if you're in a relationship that is making you feel bad, if you have a terrible work situation, if your home is a mess, um, if you have a terrible commute, you don't have enough time for yourself, if you're constantly worrying about money or if you're not happy with, you know, any of the clothes that you own. So when you get dressed every morning, you feel like crap. You are not going to be in a position to tackle the issue of being unhappy with your weight because what you're doing, not always, everybody's different, but often, and this, this might sound a bit bizarre to people because it's a very strange way of looking at, thing, of looking at things if you've not come, encountered it before, but when you're overweight or underweight or um, have a problematic relationship with food, you can then go... This is my dissatisfaction, right? This is my problem. And it it puts the spotlight on this thing that you have some autonomy over, but choose to do nothing about, as opposed to looking at the context which you sit in. You know, I'm not happy with my partner, or I have a terrible relationship with my mother, or I wish I'd studied harder at school to do something different with my life. These are things you are much harder to change and much harder to acknowledge as being... um, potentially a reason why you're dissatisfied with your life. And so weight is one of the easiest things we we can go, this is my dissatisfaction and I will be happy when, right? So what I encourage people to do is just to really look at their quality of life and start to see what can I change in my life, not, not even looking at food. What can I change in my life immediately or gently or thoughtfully that will put me in a position where I'm feeling better in myself first. Right. And then losing weight is a piece of cake. Well, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. Uh, I know that you, you uh, put on your website, rediscover the magic of eating for pleasure and enjoy yeah. a life of balance with the freedom to eat the foods you want without dieting. How can we make eating a magical experience so that we have no stress or anxiety about it? It, it, it should only be a magical experience. But I don't want uh, to sound like this is, um, is something that's very easy for people to do. If everything I encourage people to do is enjoyable, but there are a lot of blocks and entrenched beliefs and uh, historical positions that we're carrying that lead to a symptom of being overweight or unhappy with food. Um, so it's, it's like a, 
kind of attacking on all fronts to challenge thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors and to change thoughts and beliefs and behaviors um, that I do through the course or through the book um, that will help people gradually over time change how they feel about food. But what a waste of time in life, Bruce, to be worrying about your body when there are so many other things that we should be worrying about or considering. That's true. Food is a magical and pleasurable resource that we should enjoy. Every time we're sitting down to eat, it's a pause, it's a moment to be mindful, to be present, and to enjoy. Um, So for me, food is a real treat, and it's not about uh, focusing too much on what you eat. It's much more about focusing on why you eat. Like, am I hungry? You mentioned earlier emotional eating. Learning how to uh, listen to your body and recognize, am I hungry? What am I hungry for? following the signals of your body. If you're hungry for something, eat it and enjoy it. Don't eat anything you're not going to enjoy. There's no point. Wait and find something that you will enjoy. Um, so, so what you eat and then also how you eat. So that thing of um, setting the table, you know, putting some flowers or lighting a candle, making the food look nice, having nice cutlery. And, you know, there should be a ceremony around food. We've completely um, disconnected with where our food comes from. We completely undervalue the resources required to create the food, you know, in terms of environmental. Um, And we don't respect the nourishment and nutrients in the food. Uh, And I think when we start to reconnect with all of those things and enjoy the food and and when we privilege quality over quantity, that starts to happen anyway because we're tasting things and they taste better. And and the more flavorsome the food, guys, the less you eat because you're savoring it more, you're appreciating it. And when you're privileging quality also, you buy less because it's more expensive, you waste less. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's got more substance to it, so it's hard to eat as much. What have you learned about mindful and artful eating from your two-year-old? Um, well, very interesting. I, I think I talk about it in the book. Um, some days she eats all around her. Some days she eats nothing. Like she just, because she knows intuitively um, when she's hungry and what she's hungry for. So I never force her to eat. And she's a very, she actually just had her checkup, two-year checkup last week. And she's a happy, healthy child that's great weight even though I'm never worried about her eating she eats what she likes um when she likes and they children innately know um what they're lacking and what they need so they'll go for if they need meat they'll they'll go for it and ask for it and eat it or if they need fruit or vegetables they'll do that too so I'm so interested in your answer because I I go into schools sometimes and I do mindfulness work in schools and sometimes I'm in a kindergarten room and and they'll have a snack time or lunch time and I notice that the big trend seems to be the teacher or the supervisor going around and saying, no, no, you can't eat that first. You have to eat this first. And no, 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 you can't eat this. Oh, you have to eat it all. And all of these kinds of things. And I always keep thinking, let them eat what they want to eat you know like because you're making eating a big stressful deal when it shouldn't be that at all do you agree you're so right bruce and you're already discerning good foods and bad foods yes right so we had a birthday party my daughter's name is claudia we had a birthday party on Saturday. So yeah. on the table, I had like like cocktail sticks with fruit, you know, like little like kebabs. And I had a fruit and I had like popcorn and 
there was no fizzy drinks to be fair there was sparkling water for the kids and normal water with like mint and orange in it or whatever but sparkling mm -hmm. fizzy drinks aren't great at all aside from that there was chocolate and there was cake and there was ultra and it was all just on the table and i was watching the kids were going for the fruit and the chocolate and the sweets it wasn't just the sugar and the sweets and i think in ireland we're really great um about recognizing that food does not need to be problematized yes that, you know you shouldn't say no sweets no chocolate that's bad it's let them at it and they'll regulate themselves. And that's exactly how I approach it. I love my chocolate. I love, you know, um, sweet treats and cakes. I have a, a big sweet tooth, but it's not forbidden. Um, as long as it's good quality, um, then there's nothing wrong with it. And your body knows how much you need. Uh, but there's a, I'm making it sound a little bit easy. It's not. I want your listeners to know it's not because what you just described there um, with kids in school today is a lifetime of negative training around food. Exactly. So we have to relearn. That's the whole process with artful eating is learning how to uh, change your relationship to food, but also to your body. So we're so negative about our bodies. Um, it's like it's it's arrogant or strange if someone says, well, I really like my hips or I really like this part of my body or that, you know, we're so we're so trained to, to be negative about our appearance. Um, and when we sh when we shift that lens and start to look at the things we like about ourselves, well, it's just a choice, right? We can choose to look at the things we don't like or we can choose to really give energy and attention to the things that we do like. And then we feel better in ourselves. And when we feel better in ourselves, we're not reaching for the sugary foods or the fatty foods to make us feel good because we're already feeling good. Yeah, I, I so agree with you. I think that's great. And I think that the name of your work, Artful Eating, is fantastic because I, I think that makes it sound playful and fun. And, and we don't have enough art or artistic qualities in our life these days, I think. I think we think everything has to be serious. Everything has to be, you know, this straightforward, serious thing where, you know, no, do things, paint, do have right. music and do all kinds of things that like, like that. And food should be one of it should be I, part of that absolutely and, and i absolutely agree and i think it's great to play with food my daughter plays with her food you know and you hear about people go, don't play with food of course play with food she's exploring so, yeah. she's experimenting she's you know um if there's ever sauce on the plate she's painting actually with the sauce on the plate and i'm like she's too let her add it food should be it should be an enjoyable time of the day for kids but also for adults um and it is possible to change i've worked with so many people and um, my book was a bestseller here in ireland it was it, you know a lot of people read it um and it really i just saw so many people press the reset button and say do you know what i've spent x amount of years feeling dissatisfied with my body, feeling unhappy with the various aspects of my life. Now, I'm not saying, you know, get a divorce and move state. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying evaluate your life. Just start to ask the question, what do I want? You know, if I could, you know, wave a magic wand, what would my life really look like? And I think what you'll find, what a lot of your listeners will find is it's not that you want a completely different life is that there are small changes that you can make in your life day to day, making your bed, doing meditation, um, spending more time with friends, being playful and creative, you know, in, incorporating art into your life in some way, whether it's going to concerts or whether it's doing something creative yourself. There are small changes that we can make day to day 
but only if we really think about being more intentional and considered about the life we're living. So being proactive rather than allowing life to happen to us. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, your book, Artful Eating, The Psychology of Lasting Weight Loss, is a great book. So Mindful Tribe, get your hands on this book and of course go to Artful dash eating.com and you can find out much more about Karina's artful dash eating.com Karina as we move toward the end of the interview I want to ask you five quick answer questions so the first okay. one is this yeah. who is a person in your life that has influenced mindfulness for you Oh, that's easy. My friend Olivia, she's a friend and a colleague. Her name is Olivia Fox um, and she's a psychoanalyst. Uh, and she did a course in mindfulness a couple of years ago in uh, Oxford in the UK. Yeah. Um, and prior to that, I had I had some like very limiting thoughts about mindfulness, like, you know, it's unrealistic. You know, we have this unconscious that's always informing what we say and do. How can anyone practice mindfulness? And she came back from this week-long training and uh, her, just her position in the world had fundamentally shifted from this training. Now she goes back every year and does this training because she recognizes it's, um, it's, it's a lifelong learning, but just holding on to this idea of being present in the moment. Um, and I love that. So my, she, her. <laughs> yeah, I love that, that too. Uh, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Uh, I think that the, the it's awareness, just being aware. Um, and when you're more present in yourself, you're more aware when you're being crabby and difficult, which we all can be at times. Yes. But also, you're also more aware of what's someone else's stuff. So sometimes we can really get drawn into somebody else's bad mood or negativity or drama or issue. Um, but when you're being much more mindful about your life, you're much less inclined to be drawn into and incorporate their issues and struggles. Totally agree. How is breathing a part of your life? Tell us about that. It's when I meditate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, breathing. Uh, I find that when you're meditating, and you do that in the morning, you um, are just connecting with your breath. And that absolutely helps. I'm sure you, you know this well. It helps with connecting with your being, being present in your body. And it's, it's my way into meditating. And whenever I find myself completely frazzled or stressed, just bringing it back to breathing, three deep breaths, breathing in, one, two, three, and out, one, two, three, just centers you and helps you get back to that place of presence. Totally agree. Your book, Artful Eating, is fantastic, Karina, but do you have any other books you would recommend that are related to mindfulness or even related to food? Do you know, there's a book um, I love that I often recommend to clients. And I mean, maybe it's one your listeners have already come across because it's a very famous book, but it's The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. Oh, do you know yeah. it? Oh, yes, yeah. I do. You know That's, that book. Yeah, it's a terrific <laughs> book, isn't it? It's a terrific book. And the, 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 first, the first law, Pure Potentiality, I think he's really talking about presence, being in the moment, silence stillness now more than ever we need to respect and and cherish silence because we're constantly plugged in we're constantly turned on and we're constantly being interrupted you know the phone is always pinging with emails or whatsapp messages or facebook or whatever it is so to 
now more than ever. And I think he, it's probably quite an old book. I'd say he wrote it before the internet was what it is now. Right. Um, but just to hold on to that idea of stillness, silence. It's a great book and a really interesting read. Yes, it is. I think we spend too much time avoiding silence. Yes. yes. Yeah, for sure. Sure. Well, uh, let me see. Can you share an app? Are there any apps at all that you would recommend or maybe your clients use that can either help them with mindfulness or with eating? (laughs) I love your answer. No, um, I, I, I could I mean, actually, uh, I would encourage people to, we don't need to outsource ourselves. We don't need to outsource our bodies. We don't need some sort of um, app to tell us when to meditate or to guide us through meditation or some app to tell us how many steps we've taken or, you know, how many calories we've ingested. You know, we're getting far too obsessed with externalizing our subjectivity. And we're, we're getting far too lazy and relying far too much on this simple hack or easy solution. And then we feel like complete and utter failures because we don't maintain the thing. Habit. It's about habit. Decide what do I want to be intentional about your life and form healthy habits, you know, and it's, it's hard work, guys. I've said that the whole way through. I know it sounds really nice and it is everything I encourage people to do is enjoyable, but we need to be. Um, we need to take responsibility back. Yeah, that, that's what I would say. I totally agree. And I think it's I think it's so cool that you're so emphatic about that. No, 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 <laughs> we don't need an app. Because I was actually going to uh, eliminate that question and not ask it on my shows anymore. And then it was funny because then one of my listeners reached out and she said, oh, I love that you asked that question because I, I just love hearing about the apps. And I thought, well, you know, people are finding value in it but i'm more on your playing field you know like no we use too many apps we use our phones too much and our devices too much just get rid of them sit down close your eyes and give yourself some quiet time yeah yeah and if you're thinking about the bills or the bins or you know your kids science project that's okay too absolutely but just being silent um a client is coming to mind who been feeling very low, depressed for a long time. Um, and she was using an app each day to just to just input in out of 10, how was she feeling? What was her mood? And she did it at the same time every day. Um, and she found that she was looking at the app to kind of tell her how she should feel or that this app was kind of informing her overwhelming sense of who she was and how she was. And I said, please just stop using the app. <laughs> you know? Get rid and of it. She found it just very liberating to just step back from that. So I think we're, we're getting far too caught up in, and, and it's, do you know what, Bruce, and I'm kind of sidetracking, I, I know you're wrapping up, but it's true with food. Like people are always saying, um, this convenient food, or here's a great recipe, or here are all these nutritious and delicious recipes. It's outsourcing things. What you fancy? There's nothing like a tomato with some olive oil and salt on crusty bread. You're not going to read that in a cookbook, right? It's too easy. It's too easy. Or just frying some fish with squeeze a lemon and some boiled potatoes with with mint and real butter. Like that's not going to be in a cookbook because it's too easy. We're constantly looking outside for some solution. Look within, guys. 
Right. And that's why you go in the grocery store and everything is in the boxes, you know, everything's in a box. And it's because that's how people are making money by putting some product in a box. And we have to realize you don't want to get me started. (laughs) Well, don't get me started because it's true. You know, we go home from the grocery store with all these boxes of things and packages of things and pretty pictures on the outside. And it's just sad. Yeah. It's just a massive overcomplication. And there's a capitalist um, motivation for all of that for sure but we is. are really simplify 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 yeah totally agree karina yeah. it's so much fun to have been talking with you i love thank your energy you. i love your your life outlook it's just so much fun thank you so much for being on mindfulness mode thank you it's my pleasure all the best to you bye now bye now Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, this sleep naturally guided meditation that I have for you just for Mindful Tribe members. It's to help you receive the deep, easy sleep that you deserve. Sleep naturally and you'll be able to fall asleep easily, get more work done tomorrow and feel better about it. Rest comfortably without effort. Go to mindfulnessmode.com slash sleep for your free download. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.